As was mentioned earlier, it is great to have Mike back with us. I know he would much rather prefer to be up here, but we are grateful that he's able to be with us tonight. During this past week, in talking with one of our youth members, Lauren Williams to be exact, uh, she mentioned that we needed to, to look at the blessing of giving, the blessing of sharing something with someone else. And although it was planned to, in her mind, I believe, that we could look at it next week in class, uh, I, I had planned to be out of town, so I chose that tonight we would look at, we would take the opportunity to look at the gift of giving, the blessing that we really enjoy from being able to give. And as you might have noticed in the scripture reading, this passage finds us in the same place we left off last Sunday night. We're still at Miletus. Paul is still there with the, with the elders from the church at Ephesus. So we've got the Ephesian elders there meeting with with the Apostle Paul, and, and he's exhorting them, and he's encouraging them, and he's, he's saying, hey, this is the last time I'm going to see you. But as he's, as he's sending them off, or as they're giving him a send-off, and he's giving his farewell speech, so to speak, uh, at the end, he says, in this part, he says that there's a great blessing in giving. Remembering back to what the Lord has said, he said, that, he said that don't forget what Christ had said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. <clears throat> if you notice there in verse 30, 35, it says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, first off, we can take note that uh, while Paul was there, he was working, and he worked so that he could uh, so that he could labor there with them, uh, not being a burden to them. He worked so that he could he could care for himself, or he could provide for himself. But yet, he says at the end that he showed that they must support the weak, support those that were in need, support those that didn't have. And so he says, remembering that of the, the words of the Lord, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now truly this time of year, uh, it only makes sense or it only would strike me as most likely going to happen among many families. There will be an exchange of gifts. There will be an exchange where, where people get together with their loved ones and they give something to someone else. Now, as a young person growing up, you know, once upon a time, it didn't make much sense. It is more blessed to give than to receive because it sure was a lot of fun to receive. Even as I grow older, I'm not saying that it's not fun in instances or it's not a joy to receive something from someone as a gift because it's still, it's a great joy and it's an honor to know that, that someone cares about you and thinks about you. But here in this, as, as I continue to grow older, I start to see more the reasoning in that of the blessing of giving, in that of the, the blessing of the opportunity to give to someone else. Truly, we can see the wisdom uh, as we grow older. We can see the wisdom in the words of Christ, as he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But here at Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, it's not only talking about it's not only applicable to possibly that of the, the family and sharing gifts, but he's more specifically talking with 
caring for those that are weak, caring for the ones that were suffering. As we, as we talk about the gift of giving tonight, the first one we'll look at is the gift of giving to our loved ones. I would say it's most common that people will, uh, during this certain time, we will give a gift to those in our family. It's, it's almost certain amongst most families that there's going to be an exchange of gifts. It's very possible that, that there will be others that will, that will give gifts to, to people that aren't family members, maybe not even friends. I know there are many, many good works where people reach out, but yet it's not, it's not or it shouldn't be just limited to one portion of the year. There is a great satisfaction of giving. I believe this is enjoyed within that of giving to those you love, but I also believe it would be uh, a joy that is, that is still felt when giving to those outside of your family, outside of your friends, outside of the ones that are very dear and close to you. However, in Scripture, in looking at that, at that of giving to loved ones, it seems that specifically as far as giving gifts to your family members, the only thing that, that I could really come to and, and understand was in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, where it's really not so much that of, oh, a special time where I'm going to go out and I'm going to give something to a family member. But in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but if anyone does not provide for his own household, his own family, and especially of those of his household, it says he is worse than an unbeliever, worse than an, un, uh, worse than an infidel, depending on which version you read. The, the example here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, shows that of more of a responsibility in that of caring for family members. Not that we don't have the responsibility to care for others as well, because as we go throughout the, the sermon, we'll also notice that of giving to, to those outside of our family. But in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we see, we see the need to, to give or to, uh, help those that are amongst our family, amongst our loved ones. Now, a much greater portion of the scriptures, as we'll look at, is, is devoted to giving that of the less fortunate. There are those that are, that are are noted as poor or those that are noted as suffering, those that can't care for themselves. Within Scripture, we'll see over and over and over again the need to give to those that are poor. As we mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, most likely that, or more likely, we can see the evidence of the giving to the weak, as it's mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. The, the more common the, the more thought of, the more spoken of context is that of caring for those that are weak. It is more blessed to give than to receive in those that are suffering. So as we look at that of giving to the less fortunate, we can also keep in mind Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. But we can go back even to the old law and from the, from the beginning there was an understanding of giving to the less fortunate. You can look back later uh, at Deuteronomy chapter 15. In the, in the time of the law, looking at the law in verses 7 through 11, we won't read all of those, but in verses 7 through 11, it talks about the, the blessing of giving to those that are suffering. Specifically in verse 10, it says, You shall surely give to him, talking about those that are not able to care for themselves, talking about those that were suffering, talking about those that were poor. Even in the old law, there was a, there was a law stated in that they would take care of those that couldn't take care of themselves. 
Really, God's plan surpassed the idea of welfare, surpassed that of the, the design where the government had to take care of those that couldn't take care of themselves. God's design was that the followers of him would be those who would take care of the less fortunate. Many Proverbs, in fact, are written about that of the blessing of giving, the gift of giving, the great opportunity that it is to be able to give. You can look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27, where it says, Do not withhold good from whom it is due. Those that, those that, that need it, do not withhold good from them, the ones that it is due. Look again at Proverbs chapter 21, verse 26, near the end of the verse. It says, but the righteous gives and does not spare. Over and over throughout the Proverbs, I just picked out a few that we could mention, you'll see that there's a great honor, there's a great satisfaction really for the individual in giving to someone else. There's a great satisfaction in caring or helping or encouraging another individual the last one we'll look at in Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 9. Here it says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the board. The idea of a generous eye is really that of a person that's willing to help, a generous person, a person that is desirous of helping others. We have all these different examples, and there were many more that I had uh, as, I, as I studied through that you can see within Proverbs that there's a great advantage to the individual that's a helper. There's a great advantage to the individual that wants to help others. There's a great advantage to that of giving gifts. There's a great advantage of helping those that are in need. Throughout time, though, even to today, God has given commands for taking care of the less fortunate. Even within the church, today we still have the command or the need we should have a desire to take care of those that are in need, those that are suffering, those that don't enjoy all the blessings that we might. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, uh, talking about the regulations. During Christ's Sermon on the Mount, he kind of gives regulations for that of the giving that they did. Now, it wasn't to be some, it wasn't something to be seen. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 3, it said, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's to be something that's done in secretly, to be done in secret. And he points out in verse 4 what is done in secret. He says, the Father will reward thee openly. We have the, the great example in that of caring and doing it only so that you know. Uh, doing it only so that the individual can do, can do this great thing, but yet when they do the great thing, later in Philippians chapter 4, I think of what when Paul is talking to them, he said it would be added to their, their account. Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. The great deeds that they were done, the great deeds that the those at Thessalonica did in supporting, he said it would be added to their account. They would be known, or it would go on their account so that, that God would know, so that he could reward thee openly, as is mentioned in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 4. You can look at Luke chapter 6. Verse 30, and the, the, the writing there is give to everyone who asks. Give to the one that is in need, the person that asks. And later on in the verse, he says, and from him who takes away your goods, says don't ask it back. Don't go back trying to, to get it back. If you're going to be wronged, he said, it's, it's basically much better to be wronged than it is to, to not help. So it, it is 
It is the possibility of being wrong there in Luke chapter 6, verse 30. It says, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. So the idea there, once again, is give to the person that is in need. Give to the person that asks. Give to the person that has, has the need wherein you can help. In Luke chapter 3, verse 11, you have the idea of the individual that has two tunics and someone else has none. So the individual is to help. Give unto them one tunic and you see then both would be warm. We have the, we have the design in God's design over and over throughout history I mean, over and over throughout the recorded history where God's design was that his people could help. His people would show his love by helping others, by being that type of individual. I also think of the rich man in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 21 when he was desirous of doing, doing the Lord's work. He wanted to be on Christ's side and Christ said, yet, yet one thing thou lackest. He said, sell what thou hast, and notice he says, and give to the poor. So not only did, did he have the need to give, but obviously there was a problem within the individual in that he cared more about his, he cared more about his possessions and his things than he did about that of following Christ. But yet the design there was that he would give the items that he had to the poor. He would support the needy. I believe throughout Scripture we find a, a need within those that are poor, within those that are without, for having help. But yet we see a great satisfaction that comes to each individual that does help. We see a great pleasure that comes to the person that does help, and in fact that would, that would directly correlate with, which, with that which Christ says, or what is recorded by Paul, as Christ said, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. In giving, there is a great return. That's the, the next part as we look at the great return we'll see in many different instances. For instance, in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 it says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Give and it will be given to you. There is a return whether or not even it's seen right now. You might not see it today. You might not see it tomorrow. You might not even see it for this life. But as we'll notice in the next verse, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul's desire was that it could be written on their account. Today, I don't think we have maybe the same type of accounts that, that there, there once was. I'm sure some people might remember going to a store and they'd say, hey, put it on my account. Everybody had an account where they where they could write it down and they come back later. I guess today that would more, more or less be called a credit card. Put it on my account and I'll pay it at the end of the month. However, once upon a time there was more of a system where, where they had their account and they came back and, and they paid their bill as they could. But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18 through 19, or really starting in verse 17, you can see that Paul talks about their account. What they have... Uh, recorded for them. Philippians chapter 4, we have the Apostle Paul is very pleased because of the great works, because of the great charitable deeds that have been done to him. And if you notice in Philippians 4, it's not because it's not because of the gifts, it's not that he's praising them because of their gift to him, but he's praising them because it's 
counted for them. If you would notice in verse 16 following, it says, For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He wanted them to have it on their account. He wanted it to be known for them that they had a desire to do good deeds. If you follow on in verse 18 and 19, it says, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So once again in verse 19, he almost draws out the same point that they're going to be returned. They're going to be taken care of in the same way that they've helped to take care of Paul. In verse 19, he says, My God shall supply all your needs. My God will take care of you. This reminds me of that in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33, where the promise is that God will take care of all your needs. Now, that isn't to say that God is going to give you the, the nicest house or the fastest car or uh, the, all the pleasures, the pleasures of life, but there is a promise in Matthew 5 that if you seek first the kingdom, he says, all these things shall be added unto you, talking about the necessities of life, talking about the things they had to have. There's great blessings in giving to the Lord because... Not only do we understand the satisfaction that we receive or the joy that we receive from giving to someone else, but we have the joy or the satisfaction of knowing that we have a God in heaven who will take care of us. We have a God in heaven that will not allow us to, to lose our life or to die because we didn't have food, raiment, and water, the three things he's specifically talking about in Matthew chapter 5. We have the God in heaven that cares about us and he's promised that he'll take care of those needs. Now, in giving, in the gift of giving, we've noticed, or we looked at really for a short period, the, the gift that we enjoy of giving to our family. We see many more times throughout scriptures the gift of giving in that of giving to those that are without. But I want to take the last few minutes that we have to look at the gift of giving back to the Lord. Within God's design, the only, way that, the only way that the church can survive, the only way that, in fact, if you go to the, to the old law and you look at, you look at the, the way that they, that they continued to grow or they continued to do things, the only way that it happened was because of the individuals giving back. The only way that God set up a plan for, for his church to go on is that of the members. It takes all, all of us doing what we can to continue the work. Giving back to the Lord is something that follows from the very origins, from the very design. In the very beginning, in fact, we can go back and look at the, the sons of Adam and Eve. If you look at that of Cain and Abel, in the very design, they both had had somewhat of a desire to, to offer, to give back. They understood something about giving back to the Lord. We see they both made a sacrifice, and as we know the story goes, uh, one of those was pleasing and one was not. However, even from the beginning, there was a design in that of giving back. 
If you look at the law in Deuteronomy chapter 14, in fact, you could look at the, the, the whole last half of the chapter and you can see the rules that are given over that of tithing. Uh, we don't have such a custom within that of the New Testament. However, within that of the law, there was a, there was a, a given law for those members to do that of tithing, to, to give their percent to the Lord. Later on, we can see in Deuteronomy chapter 16 that of the rules over giving back during the certain feast. We can see many times that the people within the old law gave back to the Lord. And I have no doubt that they too enjoyed great blessings or they, they enjoyed a great joy, a great satisfaction in knowing that they had given back to God. In fact, in fact, we can look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 9 in the, in the time that they were trying to gather up the, the pieces for the temple or as they were trying to gather up uh, funds to support that of putting the temple up. It says that they rejoiced greatly because they'd done it. When they had gathered these things, when they had given, it says these people rejoiced greatly. They were so thankful that they had given to the Lord. They are so thankful that they had given back to the Lord. And because of that, they were able to rejoice. Now, giving back would be the only reasonable response when you consider what we've already been given. When we consider the, the facts of everything that was given to me, obviously understanding that that God created the world in the beginning and without him doing, without doing such, there would be no chance for us to be here to make a living. There would be no chance for us to be here to, to raise the food that we eat or to, or to go to, to our jobs to provide for ourselves so we can go buy the food that we eat, so that we can go, uh, buy the nice things that we can enjoy, so that we can have the houses that provide the comforts of home. Without this, Without all the things that God has given us, we obviously would have, would have nothing. So in that of giving back, I definitely say we have to use the words giving back because first it wasn't ours. But in that of giving back, the only reasonable thing that we could do is have a desire to give back a portion of what already belonged to the Father which is in heaven, which already belonged to the Godhead, to that of our superior. If you look in John chapter 3, verse 16, probably one of the most, most commonly well-known verses in all of Scripture, we have the other side of the spectrum. Not only did God give us the opportunity to live on earth, but yet in John chapter 3, verse 16, God gave us the opportunity to live spiritually, to live in the afterlife because God sent His Son. God sent His Son, obviously, with the purpose of us, of us having everlasting life. Why then would I, would I not want to, in return, try and do everything I could to put the Lord first, to give back to the Lord, to tell everybody else about the great sacrifice of the Lord? The only reasonable response, the only thing that would even seem to make sense is my desire would be to, to do everything I can because of what He's done for me. You can look at... Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 where it says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, while we, while we were the ones crucifying him. As I think back to, to, to Christ on the cross, notice the, the great thought, the, the great purity of his attitude when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What reason do we have not to have a desire to give back? Why, what reason do we have not to want to fulfill his will, not to want to encourage those that are weak, to help those that are poor, to help those that are without, to help those that don't have the hope of eternal life? Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says, who he, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, for us all. Once again, we have Christ dying for us. It wouldn't seem even reasonable to, to expect or to desire to do something other than putting God first. It wouldn't make sense to do something other than giving back to God. We can see in, in James chapter 1 verse 17 a similar, similar deal where it says, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. Uh, we have we have the ultimate perfect gift being Jesus Christ coming down and dying for us. We have Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 where it says, But we see Jesus who is made a little lower than, than the angels for the sufferings of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste of death for us, for everyone, for every man, for every person, for every being. Now, if that doesn't, if that doesn't give you the, the, the desire to, to put them first, I don't know what could. Not long ago, we watched, uh, my wife and I watched a, a war movie about, um, I don't know what it was about. It was about the guy that, that got captured. And when he got captured, well, he didn't really get captured, but he was taken in by the locals. And she'll tell you what the name of it is later if you have a desire to watch it. But, uh, he was taken in by the locals, and when he was taken in by the locals, they cared for him and they, they protected him from, from being killed by the, the armies there. And so as you, as you think of that and you look at him and you look at his life, now he brings the, the, the local that, that had taken him in, that had taken care of him. He brings him back to his farm in Texas and, and helps him or encourages him because of the gift that was given to him. You see, in his mind, his life was saved because of the local. But yet, how much greater is it to think of the eternal life, the life when Jesus came and he gave his physical life so that we could have a spiritual life? I said that about the movie because... He wants to give something back to the person that helped to save his spiritual, to help to save his physical life. How much greater is it of a blessing to understand that we had the Christ who died so that we could live forever? Who died so that we could enjoy all the great blessings because we know all blessings are in Christ. Giving to the Lord is the biggest reason we have to rejoice. Giving to the Lord is is the reason that, I mean, we have to enjoy that of life. It's the only reasonable thing that we could think to do, but yet it's something that we can do because of what was done for us. 
Within that, within the design of the New Testament, God set up, or by example, we see that of God's design for giving back today. We can think in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, where it says, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given the order, the saints that Galatia says, So do ye upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store such... Uh, Lay by him in store, storing up as as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So they could lay by in store. They could they could give back, so that they didn't have to make collections. Here in in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verse one and two, they actually have the the purpose of giving back. They were trying to help the poor members of the church. They were trying to help those that were poor that were struggling and he says hey just like I told Galatia you do the same thing go ahead and on the first day of the week give back for the church give back for the work of the church once again you can see in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 and 8 where we see the we see kind of the guidelines set out on that of giving because within the New Testament we don't see the guidelines set out in the Old Testament where they they gave a specific design for an amount and the the way that it was supposed to be done and when it was supposed to be collected. Here in, but we do have a when it's supposed to be collected, obviously, in 1 Corinthians 16, 1. Uh, but here in verse, here in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, 7, and 8, uh, he tells them that the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You see how it ties one hand in hand wherein they are rewarded as in that which they've done. We see the same thing happen within that of the talents. The person that used their talents, they received more. The person that didn't from him, it was taken away. Notice as you go on in verse 7, it says, So let everyone give as he purposes in his heart. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. God's design was that the, the church would give back. The church would support the, the good. The church would be the designed ones to support those that are poor. <coughs> within, that, within that of giving, there is a gift of giving to those of our family. I think it's a great joy that we enjoy. Most commonly, I guess, as Americans, because uh, many people during this time of the year, we have it set aside where we exchange gifts. I think it's a great benefit. Great benefit. I think it's a great blessing to be able to give to others. I think it's a great blessing throughout the year, but also during this time of the year to be able to give to those that are in need. But I think the greatest blessing of all is that of being able to give back to the Lord. In giving back to the poor, we do give to the Lord. In giving back to the Lord, we do support the church. We do try and further that of God's plan. But the greatest gift ever given was that of Christ. And tonight, that's, that's really the desire that we have to express. If you haven't accepted the gift of Christ... We want to make that change. We want you to understand that Christ died because he wanted you to live. We looked at a bunch of verses where, where it says that Christ died for us or Christ died for the ungodly or all the different 
different things that were mentioned. God, Christ died that we could have everlasting life. God sent His Son so that you could live. We want you to understand that you can have life through Christ. By putting your faith in Him, being willing to, to follow after Christ, not just now, not just today, but forever and always. Being willing to put Christ first, being willing to turn away from that which is sin, turn away from the things that are wrong in your life, turning away from things that are amiss. Being willing to confess His name, not just now, but as we continue. Being willing to tell people about the Lord Christ, about the Lord as He came and lived that perfect life so that we could live. We have the promise that as we confess Him, He too will confess us before His Father which is in heaven. If you're willing to do those things, we just want you to be willing to be immersed so that you can wash those sins away. As was laid out in Acts chapter 2, God's design was that man could repent, man could wash away those sins. And the promise was in Acts chapter 2 that the Lord would add them to the church, that body, the one that Christ set up. And we want to help you do just that. If you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't accepted His great gift, if you haven't been willing to follow Him, you need to make the changes in your life because Christ has already done His part. If we can help you, we want you to come as we stand and sing.